We are starting chapter 20 this morning of Matthew's Gospel. And this is actually an illustration that Jesus used to cover what he talked about in the last part of chapter 19 with the uh, salvation of those who are wealthy. At, At the end of chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus says, Many who are first will be last, and the last first. And in verse 16 of our passage today, he says the same thing. So that ties these two passages together. And this is, this is his answer when the disciples kind of got that panicky look on their face. And he said, it's, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples all had that, that RCA dog look on their face, you know, where they kind of tilt their head and look kind of weird. And then they asked the question, well, Jesus, we've left everything. What will there be for us? And so he answers that question, and he uses this parable to help illustrate it. So if you would stand with me for the first 16 verses of chapter 20 today. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage, a parable that is very familiar to us, help us to understand how and where we need to watch out for the wrong attitude in our lives. Help us to understand what this passage means to us and how we live for the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. So when the disciples... Watch the young man walk away with great sorrow because he had a lot of possessions. Um, They understood that he was not willing to give up what he had in order to gain what he didn't have. But then 
it dawned on them that they had basically done what Jesus had told the young man to do. Go sell all of your possessions and follow me. Now, they hadn't necessarily sold everything, but they had given everything up to become followers of Christ. So in asking the question, they show some understanding of the sacrifice and how that a person's reward in heaven should be commensurate with their sacrifice. This is their understanding. The first to follow Jesus should receive a larger inheritance. So Jesus teaches this with this parable. Now remember, for the most part, when Jesus taught in parables, especially when it was large crowds, he did so because most of the people who were listening to him didn't really want to hear the gospel truth. They wanted a good religious story. That's what they went to the synagogues for. That's what they went to hear the various preachers for was a good religious moral story so that they could walk away patting themselves on the back for having done their duty. Those who did want to learn the truth would stay and ask the meaning of the parable, like the disciples did. Now, this parable is not a factual account of something that has or something that will happen. This is a story. This is made up. Jesus is teaching a lesson with a made-up story. Okay? Makes the truth easier for people who have been born of the Spirit to understand. So he turns to the disciples and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like this. The owner of a vineyard goes out to the marketplace to hire some day laborers. Now, as soon as I read this, and I've read this parable probably a hundred times, it... This, this reminded me so much of the post-Katrina Gulf Coast, right? Because for about two years, maybe three years after Katrina, if you went to Lowe's or you went to Home Depot or you went to 84 Lumber between 6 and 8 o'clock in the morning with a pickup truck or a panel van, you could pick up a truckload of day laborers and anything you asked them to do, they would do. They might not do it well, but they would do it. You need tarps put on your roof? We got tarps. You need you need your, your sheetrock cut out? We'll tear out the sheetrock. You need your carpets pulled up? We'll pull out your... Don't ask me to put new carpets down because they'd be crooked. But they could help you with the labor part. So this guy goes to the market to find people to harvest his grapes. He's probably there between 4 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Because you want to start working early in that part of the world, because by 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, you don't want to be outside. It's hot. It's miserable. So he goes and he negotiates with the laborers for a typical day's wage, one denarius. A couple of weeks ago, I did the math for you. Remember? One denarius, based on the, the 2015 census data, would be roughly equivalent to about $200, $210 a day. Right? And this is a 12-hour work day. So that's that's not terrible pay. Not terrible at all. He takes them to the vineyard, and they go to work. By 9 o'clock, the owner sees that his laborers are out there busting their tail, but there's a lot of grapes left to harvest. So he goes back to the marketplace. And what does he do? 
he hires another group of workers, right? This makes perfect sense so far. I understand it completely. If, if after Katrina, I had a large lot of pine trees that needed to be cleared, and I hired 10 workers to come out and start cutting up those trees, well, by the time they started at 6 and at 9 o'clock, they'd probably have a lot of the trees chunked up, but that's a lot of wood to move. And having grown up in northern Pennsylvania where we had a wood stove, cursed thing, um, it takes a lot of horsepower to move a lot of wood. So at 9 o'clock, he goes out and he hires more laborers. This time, he says he doesn't negotiate with them. He says, I'll pay you whatever is right. So they agree, and they go out into the vineyard. Let's put yourself in the position of one of these laborers real quick, just to think about this. You know that the really good-paying day labor-type jobs are picked early in the morning, so you generally try to be that kind of person who gets up early and you're waiting there at Home Depot or Lowe's or 84 Lumber at 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, for whatever reason, on this morning, you hit the snooze on the alarm clock or maybe it's daylight saving time, (laughs) right? So you sleep an extra hour and you don't make it in time to get picked up with the first bus. These are the people he picked for the second. You would be happy to get a job picking up garbage so that you knew you had money to buy dinner for that night. And most of these people lived off of what they earned in that day. Okay? This rich guy shows up at 9 and he says, I need more workers. Get in the truck. I'll pay you whatever seems like the right thing to pay you. Okay. Time to go to work. Right? What would you expect to get paid? About 75%, right? If it's a 12-hour day, it's 9 o'clock, you've already missed three hours, you expect to get paid for about three-quarters of a day. Makes perfect sense. And it probably made perfect sense. Now, the disciples, right? Jesus is sitting on the ground teaching this, and the disciples are sitting around him, and they're like, okay, all right, this, this makes sense so far. Got it. Where's the startling revelation? Where's the, where's the, where's the, the spiritual part of this? Jesus keeps telling the story. The sixth hour comes around. That's noon. The owner sees that there's still more work to be done, so he goes back to the marketplace, and he hires some more workers. These are probably not the cream of the crop. At 3 p.m., he goes back to the marketplace. He hires some more workers. Then at 5 p.m., he goes back, and there's still people there that are looking for work. These are probably the, the, the bottom of the barrel. These are the guys that nobody wants to hire because their quality of work is really low or maybe they're just too lazy to get up and, and work at all and they're only there occasionally, whatever. And he says to them, why are you still here? Why are you standing here idle all day? So nobody's hired us. Let's get in the truck. Let's go. So he sends them to the vineyard too. So let's pull out our abacuses and do some math. Because everybody loves math on a Sunday morning, right? A 12-hour day would be a full day's wage, $210. The folks hired on at 9 o'clock would be looking for about $157.50. The 12 o'clock crowd would be expecting about $105. The 3 o'clock crew would be $52.50. And those that were hired at 5 p.m. with about one hour to do the work 
should have expected $17.50. Better than nothing, right? Okay. Here's where the disciples are about to have their mind blown. Here's where the people listening to Jesus probably got really upset. Because the end of the workday comes, the owner calls the foreman and says, pay the workers, start with the ones hired last. So he lines the workers up. You've got these, these are the guys that started at five. Reaches in the bag, gives them a denarius. The guys at that end of the line, what's going on in their mind? Paid day. I worked 12 times as long as this guy. If he got a full denarius for an hour, then I'm going to get 12 times that much. Or at least double, probably triple, right? One hour of work and a full day's pay. Sign me up. (laughs) Those who worked from three until six... $630. The 12 o'clock crew, $1,260. The 9 o'clock guys, $1,890. Those that were there for the full 12 hours, if they would have gotten the full 12 times that amount, it would have been $2,520. 12 days worth of pay. So the foreman goes down the line. Here's your denarius, here's your denarius, here's your denarius, here's your... He gets to 3 o'clock. Here's your denarius, here's your denarius. He gets to the 12 o'clock. Here's your denarius, here's your denarius. Then he gets to the guys who started at 6, and here's your denarius. Imagine the faces of the disciples as Jesus is telling this parable. Because they look a lot like you guys. (laughs) because when you hear this story, what is your gut reaction to the payment of the workers? That's not fair. That is not fair. The guys who worked for longer should have been paid more. The disciples, they're all sitting around Jesus. They're listening to this parable. They're they're, they're hanging on every word, and then Jesus says, and he gets a denarius, and he gets a denarius, and, he, and, and, and they're all, especially Judas, the guy who handles the money, right? I imagine their faces are playing all kinds of, what kind of lunacy is this? Especially if they take a second to consider that Jesus is answering their question, what will there be for us when we get to heaven? Because we're the first ones to follow you. We're the first ones to give up everything and to come behind you. Now, in in about another chapter here, uh, not even another chapter, just a, a few more verses down the road, then James and John's mother comes up and starts talking to Jesus because we know where they get their ideas, right? Because she comes up to Jesus and she says, Hey, Since my boys are following you, can you make sure that one of them sits on your right hand and one of them sits on your left hand? In other words, there's going to be special reward for them. (sighs) 
So in response to the disciples' faces and this shout, whether it was said or not, of it's not fair, Jesus says that the workers who were hired first, so these guys, the six o'clock crowd, they go to the guy who hired them and they complain. It's not fair. These guys only worked for an hour. And they worked from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. They worked when the sun had started to go down and it started to get cooler. They were, they were coming through and just clipping the last little dregs of the grapes off of the vines. We've been out here. Look at, look at the pile of grapes that I've got in these crates that I have been picking all day long. And it was 107 degrees today. And, and my clothes are soaked with sweat. And yet you pay them the same amount you paid me. That's not fair. We can all sympathize with this worker. We can all sympathize with this guy. If So as a, 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 a civil service uh, general schedule employee, right, I hire on at a particular pay level. When I started as a GS9 Step 1 2012, it was a very entry-level pay scale. My first year, I got raised to a Step 2. My next year, I got raised to a Step 3. The next year after that, I got promoted. (laughs) I made GS11 all the way back to Step 1. Not long after that, one of my coworkers that I had been an instructor with, he's been an instructor for eons, right? He started as an instructor before I came in the Air Force on active duty, right? He got promoted to GS-11. But because of how long he'd been in, he got promoted to GS-11 like step seven. The same year that I'm a step one. Because of his time. It wouldn't have been fair for him to be put at step one. It would have actually been a pay cut for him, right? We can all understand this dissatisfaction between the guy who worked harder and longer versus the guy who's a brand new. If they had started me at GS11 step seven, the same pay scale as him, he would have rightfully lost his mind. He would have, he would have had something to complain about. These are the guys that got up early. They sacrificed. They sacrificed their sleep. They sacrificed their day with their family. They sacrificed being out in the heat and the sun so that they could earn that money. In a labor and reward system, they should be paid more than those who only worked for part of a day. Now look at the master's response. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. You agreed when I hired you to a denarius for a day's wage. We shook hands on it. That was our contract. There was no clause in that agreement about comparing your service with somebody else's. There was no condition of employment that said if you work longer than somebody else... 
Because we could change the whole dynamic here. Let's say, let's say the guy went out and hired 10 laborers at 6 o'clock in the morning. But at noon, three of them fell ill because of heat exhaustion. They had also agreed to work for a denarius. If he didn't pay them that, he'd be in breach of contract, even though they only worked half a day. There was no talk of hiring extra workers. You have received what was promised to you. I've chosen to pay all of the workers the same as I paid you. Now, here's, here's the question. It's my money. It's my choice. Right? This is a hard statement for us to deal with. It is the master's money. He can choose to do with it whatever he wants. Again, I'm seeing in my mind's eye, I'm seeing this theater played out with the disciples. (laughs) Because Jesus is answering their question, what are we going to have when we get to heaven? Because we've sacrificed everything to follow you. They assume that there's going to be some extra reward for them. Something that puts them in a position of preeminence in God's kingdom, something significant because of the length of time that they walked along with Jesus. Remember how I said in a work reward system, the workers are right? Go back to the very first words in chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like, guess what is not a labor reward system? The kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with how much you work. It has nothing to do with how long you serve. The kingdom of heaven is God's to dole out as He sees fit. A couple of weeks ago, Billy Graham passed away. Back in December, R.C. Sproul passed away. Even though these two men, who most of us would consider to be giants in the faith, exceptional Bible teachers, exceptional scholars, people who have led countless numbers of people to faith in Christ and have grown disciples like nobody's business, they have received their reward for faith in Christ. Hold on to your it's not fair. That reward is not promised to be anything greater than the reward that the thief on the cross received. Remember the guy hanging next to Jesus who said, Surely you're the Son of God, and Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise? That's the promised reward. That's it. He was was saved for a period of hours And how much could he do for the kingdom in his salvation? (laughs) Think about where he was, okay? 
Now, I'm sure if he had the energy and he had the, the lung capacity to still draw in a breath and shout from the cross, I'm sure he probably took the opportunity to tell people that Jesus was the Son of God. Right? But if you remember correctly, the Romans hastened his execution by breaking his legs so he couldn't lift himself up on that platform anymore to take a breath. So his work for the kingdom of Christ was one hour. Where Peter and James and John and Matthew and John Mark and all the rest started at 6 o'clock in the morning. And they went through the heat of the day. They went through the persecution in Jerusalem. They went through the executions that took place, the stoning of Stephen, the execution of James. Right? They worked through the heat of the day. They went through the dispersion out into the countryside. Peter went to Caesarea Philippi and preached the gospel. They went through the hard part. And Jesus just told them, you're going to receive God's gift because it's God's gift to do with as He pleases. Can we dare to think that we're going to stand before God and demand a greater portion because of what we've done? That's not how this works. You know, there are accounts of people asking God questions in in Scripture, right? We have probably the most famous Job, right? Job who continually and repeatedly cries out to God, Why am I suffering this injustice? And and what was God's answer? Yeah, (laughs) who are you to question me? I am the Almighty. Now, you know, if it was me saying that to somebody, now I can, I, I will admit I have probably said stuff like that to my kids because I'm a sinful human being, right? But if I were to say that to Job, if, if it was a man saying that to Job, well, who do you think you are? He would rightfully be able to stand up and say, well, who do you think you are? But this is God. God can give his gifts as he sees fit. What is the point of all of this? God doesn't owe us anything. I cannot obligate God. One aspect of this that came out in the early church was the idea of the inclusion of the Gentiles. Because the Jews, they were in the camp of the guys who worked from 6 o'clock. The Jews had the law. The Jews had the ceremony. The Jews had the temple. They had all of those things. In fact, the Jews had the Messiah. The Gentiles, who were they? How can the Gentiles be equal with us in heaven? Because they've only worked for an hour. 
That's not fair. So this answer has to be given over and over and over again. The main lesson here, I think, is that we need to not compare our service to anybody else's. There is but one standard for how the Christian life is supposed to look, for what the Christian life is supposed to consist of. That standard is what God's Word says. In Sunday school this morning, we talked about the unity of the church and how people in Corinth were spending so much time divided over which teacher they followed, which particular camp they fell into. I I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Peter, I belong to Jesus. Right? What they're doing there is they're comparing their worth to the worth of somebody else. The only one who's worthy for us to be compared to is Christ. The only one who's worthy for us to worship is Christ. So when we come to faith, when we're at that point where we're sharing the gospel with others, when we're at that point where we're looking back on our Christian life, we need to make sure we aren't comparing our labors to the labors of somebody else. Rather, we need to be thankful that God has chosen to give His gift to any of us. At all. 